Welcome to Flower Hour. A podcast completely dedicated to baking. I'm Amanda in Los Angeles. And I'm Jeremiah in Sacramento. This episode contains spoilers for The Great American Baking Show, Season 4, Episodes 1 and 2. Also, thank you in advance for your patience during any audio clarity issues during the interview. Amanda, what have you been baking this week? Hi, Jerry. So this week I made a cake that looks like a Linzer cookie. It's the easiest thing in the world. So if anybody needs like a cheat and they want to be festive, but they also want to be a little bit lazy, make two layers of cake, cut a hole in one of them, spread jam on the one that's complete, maybe some frosting too, if you want to dust the one with a hole with powdered sugar sandwich it together. It's a little like a Victoria sandwich a bit, except Windsor cookie style. And uh, you're festive. Bada bing, bada boom. Can I just say, I love your brain. What a fun idea. (laughs) My lazy, lazy brain. It's not lazy. Lazy, lazy brain. What are you baking? What kind of extravagant thing that's going to make me feel embarrassed are you making this week? (laughs) Well, I'm teaching a class this weekend about how to make a Yule log cake. So I've been testing my recipe. And the most fun part of this recipe is the bark. It's a ganache that you fold in toasted sliced almonds and they just give the bark like this really realistic finish. And you don't have to be worried about, is it smooth? If it's perfect, it just becomes like this meditation on nature. I just, I love it. It's so much fun. So the Yule logs are coming out of my, my house like crazy. Look at you meditation on nature. (laughs) But you know what? We have to ask more people this question. We have other people with us today, the cast of the great American baking show season two. They're here with us to talk about season four. And we need to know Prachi, what have you been baking this week? Hi, guys. It's good to see you all again. Hi. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Um, So this weekend, um, I made this chocolate and raspberry cake. It was was a commission cake. It was musical theme cake. Um, I made some guitars, um, keyboard, and it was typically a chocolate cake, which was filled with raspberry Swiss meringue, and it was frosted with Swiss meringue. Um, had a lot of fun making this because it was for a little boy. Um, I happened to also make that uh, the, the same kid's baby shower cake as well. So it was it was fun to do it again for his first birthday. How adorable. Yeah. Adorable. And it sounds scrumptious too. Oh my gosh. <laughs> sounds really, really good. Thanks. All right. So Michael, Michael's on with us too. What are you baking this week? So this week I uh, tried my hand at some chasson au pomme or apple turnovers. Um, and it basically, so just, uh, I made, a, I tried a new recipe uh, for puff pastry and I took a full day and a half just for the puff pastry. And then I filled them uh, with some, uh, just a very simple uh, compote made with Fuji apples. And then I, um, uh, brushed them with some egg wash and scored a design on them. And, uh, it turned out really nice. So I was very, very happy with them. I'm sure. Amazing. So what was different about the puff pastry? What was the, 
So in other recipes that I've used, I've used a mixture of bread flour and all-purpose flour. But this recipe, I, I followed Jackie Pfeiffer's recipe from The Art of French Pastry. And he uses all AP flour. And he uses, he um, really extends the time um, and allows the dough to rest between rolling and folding. And so I just, I, I did like, I think three turns one day. I put it in the refrigerator overnight, brought it out and did another um, two turns uh, the next morning. And then I made my uh, turnovers. And you, you don't get any elastic uh, recoil from the dough. Cool. It all spreads out very, very nicely. You're not, you're not fighting the, the gluten. So the gluten is all rested and it was, it was, it was excellent. Sounds like if you have time that it's a good one. So who was yeah. it by again? Say it one more time just so everybody... Uh, Jackie Pfeiffer. Okay. Steph, what have you been baking? Did you say Steph? Yes, I <laughs> oh, did. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> um, I've been making mainly pies, like all day, every day. Um, so the one that I feel like I am in love with now is a cottage pie. It like is so reminds me of all the meals we had in the UK, like as a group, but, um, it has, uh, mashed potatoes, um, ground beef, like a gravy made with Worcestershire and tomato paste and, you know, peas, and then all wrapped in a Parmesan flaky crust. I'll take a dozen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's really nice with the weather cooling. So nice and wintry. It sounds amazing. Like Sunday roast all bundled up. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jenny. Hi, Jenny. What are Hi, you doing? Hi, guys. Um, actually, I'm getting into the cookie zone. So uh, I've been testing out a few different cookie recipes. Uh, this week, I made uh, chocolate peppermint crinkle cookies. And then um, I was also trying a recipe with uh, some orange apricot Linzer cookies. So um, I actually prepped the dough for those. Um, and hopefully this week I'll cut those out. But I'm um, just trying to do a lot of cookie prep for the upcoming holidays. So those were two on my list. Tis the season. Yeah. And Courtney, what have you been baking? Not anything really quite as fancy. Um, a friend of mine, Rodney, wrote me on Facebook um, uh, what is this, uh, Saturday and asked me if I had ever used solidified bacon fat to make biscuits. And I told him that I didn't know if that would really work. So I've actually been testing ways to make some, <laughs> some bacon biscuits. <laughs> I guess the the southern the southern boy and me wanted to try it out, um, and I've tested it like three different ways so far, and they've all gone pretty well. Uh, one of them was a complete fail, but we're not going to talk about that one. <laughs> <laughs> How's the flavor? Huh? How is the flavor? The flavor is actually really good, but I used a um, smoked bacon, um, and I think he might have been just using sort of standard bacon that didn't have any flavor, so the smokiness came through. Um, I think it needs something else to sort of bump it up, so I wonder if I'm going to add maybe a couple of tablespoons of maple syrup to it or something. It just needs a little bit of a kick, uh, to, so you really know that something else in there. That sounds like a lot of fun. Keep us posted. But not about the fails. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
And then Antoinette, what have you been baking? Hola, um, everything. <laughs> you know, this is December. It's birthday months for me. You know, it's like four birthdays in this month alone. So it's birthday cake, birthday cake, whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing too fancy. But um, besides for cakes, I've been kind of diving in the world of infused sugar. So just doing a lot of studying about that and making birthday cakes. <laughs> It's so funny because you're like, it's December. And so I was expecting you to say all this holiday stuff, but it's birthday <laughs> month. Is this in your family? Like a lot of birthdays? Yes. My yeah. oldest, my grandbaby is December 8th. My oldest daughter is December 16th. My grandson is December 20th. And my youngest child is December 24th. So. Wow. Good God. <laughs> oh, geez. You're busy. So, yeah. <laughs> well, we need to talk about our show, which is back. And let me just paint a scene for you because you'll, you'll feel this. I, I don't know, when you saw all the bakers sitting around that fire, that huh. little campfire that we were all forced to sit around and act like we were happy after we just baked our hearts out. I was like dying, dying, like, oh. But their fire looked smaller and they looked like they were further away from it. So yeah. I was a bit jealous. Yeah. <laughs> we had so much smoke coming in our eyes and yeah. we were trying to be happy. And anyway, so. I want to know your overall impressions, right, Amanda? We want to know what you guys think. And, oh my gosh, Prachi, what'd you think? So, yeah, it was, it was really nostalgic to see all of that again. Um, I, I was, I, I should say, coffee cake was something. But um, when, I, when I saw them doing it for the signature, I immediately thought I want to do this because it's been a while that I would have baked something like that. Um... They are showstopper. It reminded me of Petty Fun without trusting. I, I, I don't know why, but I, I was just in, in that whole zone of, you know, dreading about those layer cakes with filling inside and frosting it. I kind of understood that most of them had a plan to frost their uh, mini cakes, but I don't think anybody was able to do that. And I, I don't really blame them because I know how how terrible it gets there when it comes to showstopper and that clock ticking uh, but they all did a, a, a fabulous job I, I mean everybody everybody was 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 trying to get their stuff done and yeah it, it, it was fun to watch them I'm curious because I haven't been able to watch yet it's just a cable situation I definitely am excited to watch but I was curious did you guys think the overall vibe was very similar now with Baby Spice and with Sherry Yards added? How did that change the dynamic? What did you guys think? Um, Sherry was sweet, but yeah, I mean, for Hollywood, I'm sorry, but I always get a little scared when I... Yeah. <laughs> his, whole, yeah. his whole appearance is a little uh, intimidating sometimes. <laughs> It's, his it's, eyes, his, his eyes. eyes are so piercing. It's they terrifying. Are, yeah. <laughs> I find them sexy. His, his eyes. <laughs> 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 they keep saying that, right? At the British Bake Off, the blue-eyed boy. So, yeah, he is. He is one of those. <laughs> it's it's fun, yeah. But um, with uh, the host, yeah. I mean, the hosts were different. The judges were different. So. Um, it, it was like one judge is a little soft and a little sweet. The Paul Hollywood is, is not similarly, you know, on, on those grounds. So, yeah, it's, it's different. <laughs> I really liked Baby Spice's um, energy. 
you yes. know, and so very vibrant. Yeah. And, um, and I mean, you know, I'm, I've always been a fan of the British version. And so I don't know, there's something about hearing her like lovely accent, accent. say everything <laughs> is, it makes it really like nice and reminds me of the British one as well. Um, yeah, but yeah, I thought true. she was adorable. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think everybody had a really good dynamic together. I actually like um, seeing Sherry Yard on there too. Um, she just, it felt like she had a very nurturing spirit, um, just really smiley. And the one thing I noticed is when they introduced uh, the judges, that Paul just had such a stern look yes. at his face. Yeah. And that actually made me nervous. And I thought, oh, you can at least smile or something. It just, um, cause I remember all of us in that same position and I could only imagine how all of the bakers were feeling at that point. And you're just about to start your, your, your first bake of the season. So, um, but you know, overall, I think everybody had a really good dynamic together. Has it been long enough for us that like post-traumatic tent syndrome no. has passed or that yeah because no. hearing you guys was, talk my hands are sweating I'm like freaking out for I no reason. felt so anxious like yeah. watching the show I actually felt pretty anxious myself and I mean you know that was two years ago for us and yeah and not for Antoinette yeah <laughs> well yeah Antoinette it, it's even you know from last yeah. year but Fresh I still have, yeah <laughs> this feeling of anxiousness Antoinette what was it like for you uh, so I'm like Amanda. Um, I have not watched yet. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I know. Listen, I honestly can't bring myself to watch it. It's like, I go into this like panic stage for them. Cause you know how intense that tent can be. And yes. I don't know, but yeah, like Paul is intense. Like he's intense. <laughs> I, I say, I tell everybody like, he's so very British. Like his critique is very matter of fact and yeah it's like you have to not be sensitive being around him like yeah he said some stuff to me and i was like oh wow i'm gonna cry (laughs) but um but no i mean it's very honest i'm gonna just say that very very honest and there is no sugar on top of any of it (laughs) yeah courtney how about you um i got as this is going to be foul to say, but I got as far as like the opening screen and then I froze up. I couldn't just bring myself to watch. Um, I'm going to. I keep promising myself that I will once it comes out. I think it comes out on Hulu um, during the week sometime. Um, but it's just, I go back to that cake falling off the table. Oh. And so I can't really bring myself to, to look at very much. But I will say, that um, a couple of people from the show have um, added me on Facebook. And so I've had a chance to sort of, you know, see some of the, well, I shouldn't, I don't know if I can say this out loud right now. Um, I've been able to see some stuff that has uh, taken place. Um, and they've posted, you know, some pictures of some stuff they've been practicing around the house. So I see the skill and the level of the bakers, which is really of a good, you know, good level. So that's about as much as I've been able to see sort of behind the scenes stuff on Facebook. I think that really speaks to the intensity of the whole show because from watching, like if you, if you haven't actually done it, it, you watch and it's just like, this is so heartwarming. It's so sweet. These people are really passionate about baking and it seems really chill. I think it's interesting how stressed and the reactions that we all have still to it. 
two years later. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Michael, how about you? Yeah, so I thought uh, I thought the vibe of the show was interesting. It's, it's definitely different without um, Mary Berry and the combo with, with Paul or with, with when Johnny was on. So um, I thought Sherry was very nice. Uh, I thought her critiques were very um, uh, constructive. Uh, you know, Paul is Paul, so he's just going to say whatever he wants. <laughs> um, but as far as the hosts go, I thought... Um, it's, it's so different uh, see, seeing um, Spice Adams um, on the baking show as compared to seeing him on the BTN network uh, talking about football. Um, <laughs> but I think it's interesting. He has he has a lot of goofiness to the show. Um, and then and then I, I like Baby Spice. I really do. I think she is. Um, I think she's a, a very uh, uh, nice addition to the show. So um, and overall, I, I enjoyed watching it. Um, I thought you know the choice of the, the cake showstopper was was interesting. I'm not you know I'm not sure if it was a real showstopper, but a pro- showstopper type of project. But uh, but uh, no, I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing more episodes. So yeah, one- Jeremiah, did you want to run down through the challenges of it or no? Yeah, and I, I my favorite part about watching the show and it gets me distracted from the nerves that I'm feeling is to think about what I would make some of those challenges. So I would love to know just from a few of you, like, so the first week was cake week, right? Am I remembering that right? Okay. So the first, the signature was coffee cake, which I thought was a great, great um, challenge. And then there's the technical, which we can discuss. And then the showstopper, which we've described. So what, a few of you, tell me what you would make for a coffee cake. Have anyone thought about it? (laughs) (laughs) am i the only nerdy one here (laughs) writing my recipe while i'm watching the show (laughs) (laughs) okay i would make I actually everybody's face probably just went blank. <laughs> I actually, I actually made um. I think it was last year. I made a like a cranberry pecan, uh, like a bunt cake, mm. and those are just. I love those flavors together. Like anything with cranberry, I love that tartness and um, the kind of the butteriness of the pecan mixed in there. So I mean, just you know, at a just a quick thought i think i would have probably made something like that like something involving cranberries and pecans it's nothing over the top but i like that flavor combo and then episode two was pastry week and i loved that they had to do a slab pie Mm. and steph you you had you had to think about a slab pie right (laughs) what would you do yeah i mean i think um since they were focusing on sweet, right? I would probably. I thought it was interesting how almost everyone did like a pecan. Oh my god, pie. too many. Yeah, <laughs> um, I loved everyone's like traditional approach, but I did when I was watching the episode. I I did think about like, wow, if we were all in the tent doing a slab pie, how different everyone's pies would be. And um, I think for mine, I mean, I, I always love a good apple, but um, I probably would have done something uh, probably like a, like a blueberry corn kind of slab, slab pie, something like corn meal and flour in the pastry, um, blueberry, you know, filling, something like that. 
Okay, raise your hand. So everyone who's listening to this, we're all in a, a conference platform where we can see each other. So raise your hand if you would have blind baked your um, bottom crust. Everyone, all the hands are because up. we yeah. are experts. I just <laughs> <laughs> we've been through those ovens. We know. We know. Oh it. yeah. <laughs> oh, oh yes. Nightmare. Okay. Nightmare is the right word. <laughs> Okay, so then the showstopper for that one was fantastic. I thought it was two different types of eclairs. Um, Jenny, what type of eclairs would you have made? Oh, um, good question. What kind of eclairs? I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> you are, you are. Um, Could she brainstorm for a yeah. second? Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> did I see that somebody made sweet potato eclairs? Yes. Yes. Chris. So Southern Fatty, right? Yeah. Have you guys seen Southern Fatty on Instagram? He oh, made yeah. some last year and they looked so good. So when I heard that, I was like, ooh, I'm I'm a big fan of that. Did they come out well? This the Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They, they looked did. so good. So I think he won. The, oh I think he did. Yeah. Yeah. He did. I don't know how he did it. He made his dough three times. I mean, and he kept his cool. I, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's so calm. And then the way they edited it, it, it was like five minutes left. And he hadn't even put them in the oven. Like, yeah. it, it just made me crazy. I'm like, I know that's not real, but it still made me crazy. <laughs> so, so, okay, so, you guys, so, because okay, I didn't see somebody bring me up to speed. I'm trying to figure out, like, how fancy can you make an eclair where it can be, like, the showstopper? So, who had, like, the best, like, look that you guys thought as far as aesthetics and all that stuff? Uh, I thought Chris's looked fantastic. I mean, it was perfectly piped. He clearly used like a star tip or, you know, one of the ones with like all the little spokes on it. So um, the shoe looked absolutely perfectly brown and, you know, kind of uh, has like the shell on the outside. And then he uh, piped some um, topping, like a beautiful topping on top. Him and as well as, um, gosh, what's that? Uh, Andrea. I think Andrea had a really beautiful eclair. It's just, it basically looks like a pastry window type of eclair. Um, so they did a, they did, I thought they did a great job. I loved someone did, um, meringue and toasted it on top, mm, like piped meringue. That yeah. was beautiful. There was like a lemon meringue kind of eclair situation that, oh, that, oh, that sounds mind. good. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. Jenny, did you come up with what you would make? We've it's hard because I'm going all over the place. I'm like, oh, like citrusy, <laughs> something citrusy might kind of sound good. Like for the season now, something yeah. with like lemon and some kind of a meringue on top. I liked that the bakers, um, yeah, I did see a few of them. It looked like they piped some sort of a meringue on top um, or some sort of like a uh, Swiss meringue buttercream, something on top. So it gave it like just another flavor profile. Um, so, so yeah, something citrusy sounds kind of good to me. Maybe that's what I have a craving for right now. <laughs> Anyone else want to share their flavors? And the silence. <laughs> I, I actually, can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, I really like the strawberry rhubarb, actually. Uh, and that's probably a flavor that I would would try to do. I think it'd be a challenge, though, because the, those pies are so big. 
And in order to have enough time to bake them and ensure that the crust is uh, not soggy on the bottom, I, I, that's a real challenge. Very tough. That was that was a good one they chose. All right. So I'm so excited to watch this episode. I was already excited, but you guys have made me even more excited. I've, For what it's worth, too, if anybody's listening and they want to watch, if you don't have cable, a lot of people on Instagram have recommended Hulu. It is on Hulu. And then if you're not a subscriber to cable... I think, if I'm understanding correctly, you can watch it on abc.com a week after it's aired. So you'll be a week behind, but you can still get your baking, great American baking show fix. Um, So kind of switching gears here, we have a few questions for each of you guys. And Prachi, we wanted to start with you. Yeah. Just curious, as a person in the cake business, because you bake a lot of cakes for people that are outside of your family cake orders, we have yeah. a lot of listeners who are in a similar kind of vein or either they're considering it. What kind of advice would you want to share about how do you handle the consultation? You obviously have your own skill set and aesthetic that you want to do. How do you make your customer happy, but then also do something that's true to who you are as a baker? Sure. So I'm glad you brought this up. This used to be a challenge for me initially when I started. I would be a pleaser that time and just land up doing stuff that they would ask me to do. But um, I think there came a point where I realized that it's not really satisfying my baking appetite. So um, when it comes to consultation, um, the number one thing would be to understand the host, um, what they're really looking for um, in regards to what is their style, what is it that they are looking at. Because at times when we try to satisfy our baking appetite, we end up forgetting that it's their event and we, we need to do something which makes them happy as well. So um, understanding what they really want and then I, I, I really believe that we should give them a um, good number of options so that and options varying different styles so that it's easier for them to pick and choose what they're really looking at. Flavors. I have my, uh, my, my offerings um, in, in two different categories, I would say. One would be the typical um, American flavors. The other would be more of Indian fusion flavors, where I like to use a lot of pistachios, saffron, rose, um, something like a, a combination of maybe raspberry with rose, pistachio with basil, you know, things like that. So um, that's number two. The first would be design. That would be the flavor. And of course, then comes the other operational dynamics. So yeah, typically that, that's how it goes. That's how it goes. And I love the process because it's it's just not the end product. But when you really pay much, you pay some attention to the consultation, it really helps you achieve your final product. I love that. I think that sounds like a good kind of like starting point for somebody if they're curious of like, where do I start? So starting with the design and then the flavors and then going from there. Mm-hmm. Michael, you always take on these amazing high-end bakes, and we wanted to know what advice would you have for someone who wants to try intimidating bakes? So my best advice would just be to get a good book, and I would get a book by a French pastry chef, <laughs> and I would, um, and there are several out there, um, but you need a book that's uh, that has a lot of... Um, text and it has a lot of description of the techniques uh, and it also helps if you get a book that has a lot of illustrations. Uh, 
Um, so my favorite books right now are the one I mentioned before by Jackie Pfeiffer, The Art of French Pastry. I also like a book by Philippe Duraca called um, Tisserie, uh, a master, or something, I think it's called something like uh, Master Class in French Pastry, which is outstanding. Um, and, and of course, my all-time favorite book is uh, the Bouchon Bakery book. Um, I, that's um, that's the book that got me into French pastry. Um, and then I subsequently uh, searched for other authors. So my so number one, start with a, start with a really good book. Uh, number two, um, study the recipe, study it in, uh, intently, read it three, four, five times. Sometimes I'll even outline it on a separate piece of paper before I start. Uh, the next thing that you want to do is you have to make sure that you have the proper equipment. Um, and I really don't cut any quarters on equipment. And I'm fortunate enough to live in New York City, so a lot of, these, a lot of this equipment is readily available to me. Um, and then, and there's ingredients. Also, use the best ingredients that you can afford to buy. So uh, the butter I use is at least 84% butter fat. Sometimes I'm lucky enough to get some that's 86% butter fat. Um, use a good flour. I, I like King Arthur. So again, so it's, it's, it's about your source, your, your book, your equipment, studying the recipe, and finding choice ingredients. I love those tips. All excellent. Yeah. I think don't give up. Don't give up if, does, if it doesn't go wrong or it doesn't go right. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Try again. Keep trying. Just going to add to that, you know, something if you're, if you're trying a laminated dough like puff pastry or croissant dough, yeah, it's, it's practice. It's practice, practice, practice. And ensuring that your temperatures are just right. Your dough temperature is, is the same as your butter temperature. And um, just, keep, just, keep, just keep at it. Awesome tips. All right, Jenny, I wanted to hear from you. I just saw your amazing, not just wedding cake, but wedding cakes on Instagram. (laughs) And my mind was blown. They were so beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So I want to know more. I want to know like about sugar flowers. Do you have any tips or wedding cake tips? Whatever you'd like to share about that experience. Yeah, so um, so that's this was actually my first time making something this um, extensive, I guess. Um, so one of the biggest things that was valuable for me is just to be very, very prepared and um, just to uh, start, just to start um, the whole process of planning actually months in advance. Um, so my sister-in-law had actually asked me to make this a few months back. And uh, actually, I think it was springtime. And I kind of freaked out <laughs> because I thought, okay, I'm going to be a guest at this wedding. There's like 250 people. And um, I just didn't even know, like, where do I begin? So big thing was um, just pre-planning. Um, there's charts available, uh, like online. And I know, um, you guys have had Rose Levy Barenbaum on a podcast. And I know she's got some, um, really good charts, like in her baking book, the baking Bible, um, that describe, uh, like, uh, formulas, like for how much cake batter, how many people cakes will feed and, um, stuff like that comes in really valuable. So I actually, baked all of the cakes. Um, I think it was probably in August. I started baking all of the cakes, um, freezing them. And then that way I was just that much more, you know, 
ahead in the process rather than just baking everything like a week or two before the wedding. So um, baking in advance and also, um, you know, as far as the uh, the recipes, there was something that my husband actually helped me with, and that was uh, he built an Excel document for me where I was able to rescale my recipes. So rather than just, you know, having a recipe that bakes like one off, um, he put together like formulas in Excel where I was able to um, basically not have to worry about like all the math behind um, rescaling all these different recipes. Cause I had chocolate, lemon, you know, all these different layers um, so that Excel document actually came in really handy for me, like with, uh, reformulating all of the recipes. So, yeah. So as far as the sugar flowers, um, I, I actually, I made smaller ones and, um, I actually had to relearn how to make like larger scale sugar flowers just because of, I had like a, a three tier cake and two smaller, um, two tier cakes on either side. So, um, you know, online tutorial um i believe the name of the blogger was um ice cream for buttercream she had a really great tutorial mm -hmm. on um youtube that um i used to help me create the larger scale roses and then from there i also in order just to make everything a little easier to decorate i had to decorate all of this on site which made me super super nervous because i wasn't sure these flowers just got so heavy you know, I, I made like sprays out of them. So like little mini arrangements. So I wasn't sticking a million different flowers in the cakes. I didn't want to create all of these holes in the cake. So I created all of these little uh, mini arrangements. So that way they would all kind of be tied together. And um, I would use floral tape and wire. So with the floral tape, I was able to um, tape all of those sugar flowers together into these mini arrangements and then just put that one little arrangement, you know, in the cake. So I think I had a series of small arrangements and then I would kind of create uh, one main arrangement on each cake um, so that... I just wasn't sure how any of that was going to play out um, just because I had never done it and they were sort of heavy. But, um, you know, I did use uh, straws, like these bubble straws to actually insert into the cake. And then the arrangements, um, I would put those, they're like floral picks almost. I would put those little picks into the uh, cake, into those straws. So, um, you know, I think just overall, the biggest lesson learned was just a lot of pre-planning, making sure that I wrote like every little step down, you know, within like retesting my recipes when I mentioned I rescaled them all. So I actually did retest them all just to make sure that nothing was um, out of balance, um, you know, making sure I weighed everything properly. And then uh, just, yeah, keeping very organized, you know, pre-baking everything, putting it in the freezer. I actually also um, use Swiss marine buttercream and I made huge batches of that as well. Um, and I made that in advance, I think probably two weeks in advance and I was able to uh, keep that in the uh, refrigerator slash freezer. You know, the big thing with that that I actually learned was uh, when you bring Swiss marine buttercream, when you're trying, when it's refrigerated, you know, you leave it out. If you're gonna, you know, use it again, leave it out at room temperature like for many many hours at least like the whole day it's okay to do this 
Um, and then once it comes back to room temperature, you have to just really beat <laughs> beat it, <laughs> beat it, beat it, beat it, whisk it because, um, you know, in your KitchenAid, because it looks like it's never going to come back. It looks like it's all curdled. It looks, and then I just, I realized that it actually does come back. I actually took a small chunk of it, put it in the microwave for like seven or eight seconds, and then just put that back in there. And then it actually helped to just bring everything back to temperature. And I actually took a blowtorch and put it on the side of my KitchenAid, the mixer, mixing bowl. And um, that also helped to kind of bring it to room temperature because it seemed like it wasn't um, going to come back, you know, but it, but it all worked out, you know, in the end. So, um, so yeah, it was, uh, quite the experience. <laughs> so many good tips. I love the one with the, putting the straw in the cake first before you put in the bundles of flowers. Just brilliant. Yeah, I think in some States, I'm not sure that you're able to put like wire or anything in. Okay. Oh. I'm not sure what the rule is here in Illinois, but, um, it just, it really did help to keep it clean and not have yeah. a ton of holes in the cake. Well, Steph, I just feel like every time following you on social media, <laughs> that, like something big is coming. Like, I feel like, is there going to be a sugar bear bakery? Like, <laughs> I just feel like you're gearing up for something. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I feel like, I guess ever since the show ended, I've been like, I had my hand in kind of a little bit of everything. I was, I tried teaching. I, I've worked in bakeries. I started doing pop-ups and then now I'm, I do feel like it's been like a long journey of working up that confidence to see whether or not I want to put out my pastries from, you know, me on a daily basis. <laughs> um, so yeah. So the thing that I'm working towards right now is kind of that, um, I'm like, I'm still figuring out exactly, you know, is it going to be a full brick and mortar if it's going to just be a whole wholesale kind of bakery? But yeah, the hope is that um, I'm partnering with like a local coffee shop um, right now and um, basically have a select menu of pies and breakfast items um, every day. And, uh, and so I'm going to eventually scale that up. And we're also in the middle of like a lot of life stuff because of course everything happens at the same time. Um, and so, yeah, so once we kind of find a house and land some other big pieces in our life right now, then, um, the hope is that it just, it'll land in a more permanent kitchen and kind of cafe situation for myself. But yeah, I'm, I'm for now I'm working towards some sort of brick and mortar thing, but really doing like pastries on a larger scale. So exciting. Yeah. It's really scary. And I question it every day, but it's great for now. <laughs> <laughs> it's been fun for us watching all your adventures though. I feel like, like you said, you've kind of tried a lot of different things and had success in all of them, at least oh, what we can see. Everything looks amazing. It's really fun to follow along and see all the cool stuff you've done. Thank you. Okay. So Antoinette, I love seeing things pop up when you're teaching and your classes look like so much fun, but I know you do everything with a purpose. So I wanted to ask you, what is the purpose of your teaching? Like, what is the takeaway that you hope you give to people when they come to your class? Oh, wow. That's a good question. So for me, um, when a person comes to my class, you guys all know 
my story, the background behind my story. So my whole premise is you only live once, you know, and in the class, you know, I take a moment where I have everyone kind of stop doing what they're doing, you know, after we're, after we go through the bake and I have them connect with the whole thing of why do you think you're here? You know, what makes your heart beat? What's your passion? Cause you know, a lot of us are sitting around working nine to five jobs, you know, you know, us, that's half of our stories of the, all of us who went into the tent, you know, we all live in a real world where we're working in corporate America, but yet we're in these kitchens two and three in the morning. Cause you know, we have this baking thing, you know, <laughs> it's this baking passion that you have, but yet you're on this real will call life. So I try to get them to connect with that passion, that thing that won't leave you alone, that whole, like for us, it's baking where you're up two and three in the morning and you're trying to get a bake done and then you have to go to work, you know? So I get them to connect with that whole thing of why do you think you're here? What makes your heart beat? What's your passion? And I encourage them to go for it. I encourage them to chase it. You know, again, you're not, you're only here once, you know, there is nobody who's gone and come back. (laughs) Do you get what I'm saying? So I, I just believe in living your best life while you're here. You know, sometimes it's not about the money. It's not about the check. It's all about the purpose and connecting with the purpose and that thing that makes you come alive on the inside. So that's what I try to get people to connect with in my class. I give them that moment to have that down moment. I say like a woosah moment of close your eyes and think about that thing that you really want to do and take a minute to just speak it out loud. And then I tell them, go for it. Of course you have a plan, you know, (laughs) don't just recklessly leap, you know, but you know, just I tell them that after that day, make one step towards their journey and their purpose in life. Chills head to toe, babe. (laughs) So good. Awesome. (laughs) So time for our lightning round. And this this is our favorite part whenever we do this. And sadly though, because it's a work day, it's a work morning when we're recording this, we've lost some of our bakers. So this will be fun with our smaller reduced group. But um, we miss everyone who had to leave. And thank you for joining us. First lightning round question. What? cookbook do you use the most? And we'll start with Steph. Mm, Definitely Tartine, the original. (laughs) It's, I always find myself going back to it for all the basics. And if I just need a good reminder of just, you know, instincts and I don't know, it's such a great foundation book. Antoinette. Oh God. <laughs> y'all would ask me that question. Um, actually, um, YouTube is my friend. I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> I don't have a that favorite counts. book. That totally <laughs> counts. <laughs> Jenny. Um, you know, that's tough because I have quite the collection and I actually bake from all of them. Um, I'm a big huge uh Dory Greenspan fan. So um baking from my home to yours. Um I like that one. And I know Michael mentioned uh, the Jackie Pfeiffer book, The Art of French Pastry. Um, That's actually a really, really great, great book. So those are uh, some of my favorites. But like I said, I I have such a collection. I I bake from probably just tons and tons of different books. I'm always mixing it up. So Amanda. Oh, gosh. I I was like ready for the next one. I didn't know I was in the loop. Violet Bakery Cookbook is my favorite by Claire Petak. I open it. Like if I don't know what I'm going to make and I'm just like, oh, I want to make something, I grab that one. 
Jeremiah. <laughs> wait, wait. Um, I kind of rotate around three right now, and like you, Steph, tart. That's tartine. cheating, dude. <laughs> but the tartine book is my first real book that I really got me baking. And then I go to Stella Parks Brave Tart for a lot of like just technique and base recipes. And then Rose Levy Berenbaum, her books always steer me right. Okay. So this is kind of, it's okay if it's the same answer, but baking hero. You know, it's funny because I, there's so many bakers and chefs that I admire, but the immediately when you asked that Ina garden came to mind and she's not necessarily a baker, but she's just kind of the every woman that I want to be. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I kind of need to say her Antoinette. Okay. This is not fluff, but I promise you, you guys, oh. all of you like meeting you guys in that tent and I learned so much just from the nine of you guys. Like it changed my baking world, meeting you guys and learning from you. Y'all were doing stuff with, with stuff I couldn't even pronounce, but I can't. <laughs> and baking with stuff that I had no clue. Like it just opened my world to a whole new baking world in that hand with you guys. So you guys. Oh, that is so sweet. I mean, stop. You were making snow globes on the first day. Like you were killing me. I was like, <laughs> She is amazing. Uh, Jenny. I'd have to say uh, Gazina Bullock Prado. Uh, I started following her many, many years ago. I know she's got a, she either has a show or had a show on Food Network most recently. But uh, I read her memoir when I first started baking. And then I just bought all of her books. And I just, I loved her memoir. I loved her story, uh, how she got started. And she's just, she's been a really big uh, inspiration in my baking journey. If you're listening, we want you, Gesina, on the podcast. Yes. <laughs> Jer- uh, Jeremiah. You know, I would, I can't just go with one. So I, I think the Tartine owners, Liz Pruitt and Chad Robertson, Robertson, right? Yeah, they're just, because I love bread and his bread is my favorite. Amanda. I'm copying Steph. She also pops to my mind, Ina, forever and ever, mainly because when I first started baking, her recipes would pop up a lot. Like I would Google something that I wanted to make. And like, if you search like apple pie, one of the highest rated would be hers and I would make it and it would work. So I just have such confidence in her recipes. And so Ina forever, ride or die. Can you get her on your show too? <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, we need to start sending those instant messages or whatever they're yes. called. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ina, Ina's agent, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Ina, we want you forever. Yes. And, and we'll host a, a baking show reunion with you and we yeah. will all make stuff for you. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. We'll do anything you want, Ina. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite piece of baking equipment, Steph. Why am I always first? And, uh, okay. and you can't say the KitchenAid mixer. That's, oh, okay. I know. Uh, that, that, you're going to have that. No, no worries. Favorite piece of baking. I mean, I get it's so silly, but I have to say my rolling pin. I, um, I do so much with it. And I remember there was a Christmas where I went on vacation and I didn't have one with me because we were, you know, renting a house and normally houses don't come equipped with rolling pins. And I had, I sent like a emergency message out into like the Twitter realm and some person came back and said, use a wine bottle, um, mm-hmm. which was 
a great tip, but it's just doesn't replace, you know, a good, nice rolling pin that is just, will get everything done. <laughs> okay. What kind do you have? I'm dying to know, actually. I, I have a, like the silicone one Ooh. like that, where it's, um, it's not a traditional wood one, but it's, I, I don't even know. I like picked it up so many years ago, um, at the like local supply store. And it actually and, rolls. It's not the kind that's just a, right. Yeah. It doesn't have like the wheels or like the handles. It, it actually like rolls. Okay. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Okay. Antoinette. Let's Does it have to be just one? <laughs> it's called lightning round for a reason. Okay, so for, so for me, my hand mixer and a zester. Like, I put zest in everything, y'all. It's like mm-hmm. <laughs> And a hand mixer because I'm always multitasking. When the KitchenAid is going, I, I, I'm doing something else with a hand mixer. So, yeah. Oh, I love the zester. Jenny. For your zester, I have to ask, do you use a microplane or do you use like a, like a, what kind of zester do you use? It's a microplane. Okay. Definitely the microplane, yeah. Little tidbit. I know it's lightning round and I just scolded you, but (laughs) (laughs) I co-host this thing. So I'm just taking over. Um, I used a microplane for the first time when we were in the tent, I borrowed Steph's and I used it and I was like, what is wrong with my life? I immediately (laughs) ordered one in the hotel room while we were there. I was like, I I need this. So yeah. yeah. What did you use before? Like the side of a box. Oh, oh ma'am, no. <laughs> oh. Every baker's heart just it was horrible. It was really horrible. <laughs> I don't buy a lot of equipment, you guys. Leave me alone. All right, Jenny, Jenny. Hands down, it's gotta it's gotta be my kitchen scale. Um Ooh. I would completely lost without my scale. Um, you know, just when I first started baking. You know, just like every amateur baker, I mean, I started off with cups and now it's com- like the, the scale has just completely changed my life with baking. Um, just uh, even when writing recipes, uh, I just, I have to have everything in grams. And then I actually, now I get upset if there is a recipe that I find and it's not uh, in grams or ounces or uh it's just, it's so valuable to use it for consistency. And it actually, it makes life so much easier to have that scale and to just weigh everything. So that, that would be my most important uh, tool in the kitchen. Love it. Totally. Amanda. My Volrath uh, disher. It's called a disher, but I like to call it a cookie scoop. I use it for cookies. I scoop meringue. I scoop frosting. Like if I'm layering cakes, I'll scoop the frosting. So I know I have the same amount. I go boom, boom, boom. I scoop batter. It's like my true love. What about you? I'm with Jenny. It's this, it's the scale. And I even brought my OXO scale into the tent. I didn't want to use the tent scale uh, when we were on. <laughs> so yeah. And I travel with it. It's always in my suitcase if I'm going somewhere. Big nerd over here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we asked our um, followers on Instagram if they had listener questions for you guys. Just a couple of like heartwarming things. Luke says hello and he misses us all and wants us to send him a cake. Oh. So Luke was somebody who worked on the show. And then Becca also sent a ton, a ton of hearts to all of us. Aww. So that's just a little side note um, for people that worked on the show. Um, 
the crew is amazing. There's this whole yeah. like gaggle of people that no one sees and they're just powerhouses of loveliness and talent and the best team ever. Um, so quick shout out to them. And then Tiff, who was an alternate on our season, she just said, no question, just this makes me so happy. Can't wait to listen. So wanted to send some love to Tiff. And while I'm thinking about people who aren't here, Ashlyn couldn't make it today. She is working on a TV show now. So she was busy. She had to be on set this morning. And then also Nancy couldn't make it. So just sending all our baker love to them. I feel like if we were drinking, I'd be like, let's pour out a shot for them. So like maybe have a bite of cookie, have a bite of cookie for them later or something like that. Um, and then for actual questions. So displaced housewife, who's Rebecca, she's been on the show. She wanted to know how did the show impact how you bake? Are you more creative, more technical, both? Yes, no. And I'll just put that out there, whoever like feels compelled. I would say um, definitely both for me. Um, being exposed to the things that you guys were doing in the tent, it, it, it just blew my mind. Like I came from like a, just a pound cake, red velvet cake world, you know, coming into the tent and I got back to North Carolina and I was like, I never want to make another red velvet cake ever again. Can somebody please let me put some lavender in something? <laughs> You know, so again, a both for me. Uh, my mind was blown with the things that you guys were coming up with and the flavors and the spices you guys were using. It just opened my box to a whole nother world. That means a lot. I think we that was the biggest gift is learning from each other. Yeah, for sure. Um, did you guys want to weigh in, Steph or Jenny, on that one? For me, the show was kind of that first time that... I was taken out of this environment that I'm very comfortable with, like my home kitchen and the oven that I understand and love and hate. <laughs> but, and then, you know, we were all thrown into baking outside in a tent, environmental factors, like ovens that were temperamental, equipment that we weren't used to. So I think from a technical side, it was, it definitely turned on the dial of, oh, you have to use your instincts to bake and um, use your, you know, senses. I think that's something that Johnny would tell us. Um, and, uh, and so that has carried on. I think you don't, you don't really have that awareness um, when you're just baking at home and you're comfortable <laughs> with your surroundings. Uh, so in that sense, I think that was a great takeaway. And then from a creative standpoint, it's kind of interesting. It's now it's, I feel like my creativity is shifted in a different way because on the show, it was great because they, I've never been in an environment where they were forcing us to think about, okay, you have to make this type of cake, have these three fillings or, you know, all these different rules or, um, to what you're making before it would always just be, Oh, what do I feel like eating <laughs> or what do I want to make for people? Um, so I loved that, uh, that structure where we were forced to think outside the box on something that we love to do. Um, and you don't really get that now. So I kind of miss some of that. And it's funny that Jeremiah, you said in the beginning of the episode that, you know, you are already thinking of what you would have made in that, in that for those right. challenges. I definitely had more of the anxiety PTSD like approach. So it didn't really go there, but it's, it's something that I do miss. Like, I think, uh, someone giving you an assignment will naturally make your creativity and like your like juices flow a little more than I think just, um, 
you know, just everyday life. So now I have to find inspiration through other ways. I think we need to do a big, massive bake-along where we just assign anyone who wants to, to bake along with us and try new things. That would be fun. Like create, create a challenge kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Ooh, I like that. I think just for me personally, it just helped to heighten my awareness to detail kind of like what Steph was saying, like in the kitchen, um, using your senses, um, just, you know, I, I think that that was one of the more valuable things that I learned, uh, just when you're baking at home, you know, it's just so completely different than when you're put in a different kitchen. Um, what may, if something may take like 20 minutes to bake at home, well, it may not take 20 minutes to bake in another kitchen, you know, especially when you're baking in the UK, as we all learn. So um, just to really, really be in tune with your senses. Um, and, you know, that that to me was one of the most valuable things. Love it. The senses were a big thing for me too. I echo that. If you could bake for anyone, dead or alive, who would it be and what would you bake? And whenever you're ready, just jump in there. Oh, and you know what's interesting? I'm going to say this. So Steph has been on because she was a guest of ours on the first season on Flower Hour for a pie episode. So if you want to hear that, go back and listen. But I know we asked you and you're allowed to answer differently Yeah, (laughs) if you want to. And then Antoinette, also, you've also been our guest. So feel free to answer the same or different as well. So you guys are free. Jenny, what do you think? I think for me, I'd have to say probably my dad. Um, he actually, he passed away, uh, almost 10 years ago. And at the time I wasn't as, uh, much of a baker as I am today. So it's, it's something that I think about often that, you know, it's been just such a journey, like being on the show and learning all these cool things. And, um, you know, it's just something that he never got to, to see me do. And, and it's hard because it's like a, a little little part is just missing, you know, like of that completion of just, you know, I think he just would have been so happy and excited just to see this whole process and how far I've come along. Um, and as far as what I would bake is probably something tropical, um, maybe some sort of like a pineapple coconut type cake. Um, you know, I think he would have really enjoyed those flavors. So yeah, I'd have, I'd have to say my dad. Amazing. Love it. Steph, what are you Uh, thinking? So I think on the last episode, I said Oprah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I, I would actually, maybe because it's the holidays, I'm also getting like super sentimental. I, I definitely would bake for my grandmother who I was extremely close to and she's passed, um, for, you know, she's been gone for a few years now, but I always think of her so much because she, when she first immigrated to the States, she opened a restaurant and, um, she did it all by herself with my mother and her and and my uncle. And, um, yeah, she was always a whiz in the kitchen and, um, and she never really was around to see me make anything. Um, cause baking really wasn't in my life early, early on. And so I would definitely pick her and I would probably just make her a cake, something simple. Antoinette coming out of the tent you know he was such a country dude he wanted everything plain he didn't want any frills so it would be my chance to 
get him to see, you know, to maybe taste something outside of his box and be like, look what I learned from the people that I made with, you know, something like that. I would force him to get out of that yellow cake chocolate icing box. I would love for him to see what I learned while I was there, you know, my takeaways from being in the tent. So yeah, definitely my dad. Yeah. So sweet. So sweet. We can't thank you all enough for being with us. This has been so much fun. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> you guys are forever our baking family. So I felt like, uh, aren't you glad Jeremiah that we got to kind of hang out with the fam right at the holidays? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we just need to do this, not for just for the podcast, just do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. Well, we hope you all have wonderful holidays and enjoy the rest of the, the baking show. And we'll be seeing you all soon. Love you guys. Love you Bye. too. Bye. Bye. Be sure to subscribe to Flower Hour on iTunes or SoundCloud. And if you're enjoying your time with us, leave us a review. We'd appreciate it.